welcome to Rate That Album, uh, the podcast where myself, Paul Muadib, and my co-host, Joseph Fremming, um, from the Joedown, tear apart or glorify albums uh, every week. We Every week, we take turns picking albums, and this week, I had the choice, and I picked Machine Metal, Metal, excuse me, Metal Machine Music by Lou Reed. Joe, before we get into that, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> doing all right. Uh, you know, the world's still on fire. Uh, just <laughs> keeping trying to stay sane in all of it. So, mm. how you doing? Oh, about the same. You know, at least I'm not Ted Cruz or a Texas mayor right now. God. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, their jobs are safe. Their well, jobs Cruz are is. Cruz yeah. is. Mm-hmm. He's not going anywhere. This will be a little dated by the time you guys hear this, but just to remind you all, um, yeah, that shit happened. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever forget. <laughs> oh. Right now, Texas is freezing, and Ted Cruz tried to bail, and a mayor tried to tell people to just live without water and power and food. Um, yeah, so yeah, the world's on fire. Speaking of world being on fire, Joe, what did you think of Metal Machine Music? Oh, wow. Yeah, so this was an album, I think, I have thoughts on this. Oh, please. There's elements I enjoy, there's elements, but my original thought is that this is an album where I think uh, the myth of it far exceeds, like, the actual product. I was expecting something way more crazier after hearing about this album for years. Mm-hmm. What I was expecting, you know, was like chaos of like machine noises and all that, which you get a little bit, but a lot of it's synth. Yes. Stuff. My big takeaway from this album, Metal Machine Music, is there's the DNA in this album of a lot of music I eventually, you know, years later, I would be enjoying. And I think uh, the two albums I think I really hear this al- this influence on Mm-hmm. Is uh, the album Ghosts by Nine Inch Nails mm-hmm. and uh, Kid A and Amnesiac by Radiohead? Mm. Okay, interested you bring both those up. So w- let me ask you this because you haven't done any research in this album, correct? Nope, I just I just knew about it. Uh, I knew of it, you know, working in record stores. There's always that the infamous Lou Reed album, mm-hmm. he did the you know. 1975 was it you know at that time i can see this this being like pretty controversial mm-hmm. uh, somebody releasing this album in 2021 uh i mean you throw a dance beat behind it and have billy eilish sing over it it's going to be a top 10 hit <laughs> it's hilarious you bring that up okay first of all let's talk about it it's only four tracks so Let's let's. I'm going to move the order here. Let's talk about the album first, and then we'll get into the history of it because that's going to take up a majority of our time versus us talking about the four tracks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to dissect it because they, you know, it's it's a very ambient album. Mm-hmm. These songs kind of just blend into one another, except for when the parts end, and then the next part picks it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting, and like I said, like the DNA for like a lot of music, I. You know, I hear the the DNA for industrial rock in this a lot. Like, I I can picture Al Jorgensen in 1975 listening to this and just being like, man, I could probably use something like this later on down the road in life with music (laughs) and hence ministry. So, I'm going to say this 
as well. People talk about this album and they say it's completely unlistenable. Don't like this is something I listen to all day today. It just kind of in the background. And there is semblance. People talk about there is no semblance of anything in there. There is music in there. I, yeah, I'm there's gonna, melodies. In there's, there is. They're just buried a lot. But, I mean, that's part of the interesting aspect of this album. Because, you know, I thought it was just going to be noise. And, like, I'm like, well, oh, crap. Like, underneath, like, some of this uh, chaos, like, I'm hearing melodies on, on like, a synth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly it. And... It's less, it's a little bit of synth, but not really, actually. It's really interesting how he made this. So I'm going to start with Wikipedia. Metal Machine Music was the fifth studio album for Lou Reed. And where it, let's, I don't even know where to start. Let's start, let's start with the reception, I guess, because we kind of already touched that. People hated this album. All music, Chicago Tribune, Rolling Stone, Record Collector gave it all one-star reviews, okay? Q Magazine featured uh, had metal machine music in its worst 50 records of all time. And they also gave it, um, it was number eight in um, their, 20, their December 20 edition of Top 10 Career Suicides list, where it came in eighth overall. Now, while I was trying to find that list, that list does not exist anymore online. Pop Matters, however, really interesting enough that we're talking about this album, 10 days ago, put out their own list of noble career suicides and put this at number one. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Now, that's not entirely correct though because it wasn't really career suicide and we'll and i'll talk about that so where did this album come from most of this information i'm going to be pulling from is uh from an article by james gent of we are cult okay so i want to source where i'm coming from you're right the mythos of this really overshines everything and this is the best source i found from direct lou recroats and direct conversations with Lou Reed. So what was step in real? Yeah, please. Yeah. It's, again, this was an album. I, you know, I thought, you know, honestly, like I thought a lot, you know, it was pretty benign again mm-hmm. by 2021 standards, but I could see in like 1975 people being like, what the fuck is this? I mean, cause this, this came out after uh, transistor, right? It, this, yes, yes. This came out after Transistor. Which was his kind of like critically acclaimed solo venture after Velvet Underground. Yes. And this also came out, uh, let me let me pull this out here. Um, it came out before a couple of notable works of his. Um, it came out, came Lou Reed Live. Before Trans- Tony Island Baby. Yep. Rock and Roll Animal. Which, uh, one of my favorite, uh, that's top five live albums for me. Mm-hmm. It's Rock and Roll Animal. Well, Lou may not be happy with you about that, and we're going to get into well, that. You know what? Lou's a prickly guy, and I really—he's dead, so I don't give a shit. He is. He so. is a. He is a very, very prickly dude, um, and that's where a lot of this comes from. So Lou Reed had um, put out this 1975 album, okay, and what was going on before that? Lou, okay, in 1970, Lou Reed split up from the Velvet Underground. Arguably, they're one of the most influential alternative bands ever. Let's also add, they did two albums after he left. <laughs> yes. Yes, they did do two albums after he left. 
<laughs> and it they're wasn't not that, good. <laughs> they're not good. They're not good. And he kind of hooked up with David Bowie to do Transformer and Walk on the Wild Side. Then he had all these gotten permission from the from the record company RCA to do what he wanted to do. He next thing he did was Berlin, which is on my top five favorite albums of all time. I absolutely love Berlin. It's uh, it's one of my favorite concept albums ever, 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 ever. And it's this really depressing album. It's considered in most factions to be the most depressing album ever made. Basically, it's a concept album about a speed freak and a prostitute. That's all I'm really going to give away. Well, RCA had a kind of a hard time with that one because their recent bestsellers were The Sound of Music and the Archie Sugar Sugar. So when they handed them Berlin, they didn't know what to do. And they kind of pulled him back and said, you're going to do what we want you to do for a while. And that's when Rock and Roll Animal came out. That's when he had to change his. Remember when Lou Reed was going around with the with the with the blonde hair and everything? Mm-hmm. He was completely pulled in, and like they put a giant leash on him. RCA did. Uh, if, even if you listen to the Rock and Roll Animal album, um, there's a part where he left out where he left in the sound of a scra- of a fan screaming Lou Reed sucks yeah. on the closing song. Yeah, it's amazing. I love that album. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And then he came in and did like Sally Can't Dance and, uh, you know, all these other things. And RCA was just making this money off of him from these things. And Lou Reed was miserable. This is what he said. This is fantastic. The worse I am, the more it sells. If I wasn't on the record at all the next time around, it probably would have gone to number one. I hate that album. Sally Can't Dance is tedious. Could you imagine putting Sally Can't Dance with your name on it? Dying my hair and all that shit? That's what they wanted. That's what they got. Sally Can't Dance went into the top ten without a single, and I say, ah, what a piece of shit. By this time in mid-1974, Lou Reed was ridiculously thin, boozed out, drugged out. He could barely stay on stage, actually, for Rock and Roll Animal. He was on running literally on uh, adrenaline and drugs and booze. And journalist Nick Kent recalled, I've never seen a man so utterly paralyzed, so completely devoid of life while managing to keep breathing as Reed looked into the night. He was just absolutely messed up. He was bored. He was he became a parody of the it was kind of like the Beastie Boys. He became a parody of what these songs were about. He became a self-induced parody. After doing all this stuff. The record company wanted another thing from him. And he's like, I've done all this stuff. Give me some more leeway again. He's like, okay, so that's where Rock and Roll Animal came out, was that one, was this live album. And he's like, all right, I'm going to do this. What became Machine Metal, excuse me, Metal Machine Music. (laughs) He said to this album, it's the only record I know that attacks the listener. Even when it gets to the uh, last side, it won't stop. You have to get up and remove it yourself. It's impossible to even think when it's on. It destroys you. You can't complete a thought. You can't even comprehend what you're doing. You're literally driven to taking the miserable thing off. You can't control that record. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This was the deal, was that when he did Rock and Roll Animal and gave them what they wanted, he was, they were contractually obligated to give him another album 
that he had free reign on, like Berlin. It was reported that he had to run into the men's room. Like, when he gave this album, he didn't stop. Like, he went into RCA and demanded to see Kenneth Glancy, president of RCA Records, <laughs> and handed this to him. <laughs> and, and after he did, he, was, he told his friends that he had to run into the men's room because he was going to explode with laughter knowing what he was handing them. Like, this made him so giddy. And the RCA Rex didn't know what they were going to do with it. And they tried to sneak it out quickly on their Red Seal label instead of RCA. But Reed put up a, a absolute fit saying, no, the contract says this comes out on RCA and I want a Kajaphonic mix the boot. <laughs> so... This was like Lou getting back on not being. And as a matter of fact, it's the only album that was ever custom made for the eight track format. <laughs> if you look at the at the at the at what the tracks are, like how long they are, they're like something like 16 minutes and six seconds. He custom made this for eight track <laughs> in 1975. And to even and he was even mad at the fans because he was mad with the fans that he had gained from all the stuff that he didn't want this commercialness. He wanted to get to his independent roots. So when he did, when he made the album, he had put things on it like rock orientation, melodically disguised, i.e. drag, like all these people that were in this drag rock that he was doing. He completely like messed it, like did this thing. He even said that on the back of the album, um, he copied from a hi-fi magazine. He made up the equipment on the back of the album. It's all bullshit. All this was was him with his guitar amp, a shit ton of pedals. And then after recording it, he went through and adjusted the speeds and the pitches. It's not actually synth. That's all guitar sounds through all these different pedals with time alterations. Which is a big feat when you think about it. In 1975, the sounds he got out of the guitar and that pedal. So, yeah, I mean, he even, like, inside the album, he made a statement essay with a few hints of where, where he was what, was at the, you know, at the time. He wrote in things, you know, that he thought the, that the people were listening to it. Because when people got, right after uh, Rock and Roll Animal, people thought, okay, there's this metal machine um, music this is going to be kind of like that. So it went down horribly. I mean, no one liked this. Critics hated it. It ruined his relationship with RCA and basically any other recording industry, uh, uh, um, publisher at the time. And Lou loved it. And he even said, most of you won't like this, and I don't blame you at all. It's not meant for you. For that matter, off the record, I love it and adore it. I'm not. So I'm sorry but not especially if it turns you off. I'm not going to apologize to anyone. They should be grateful I put that fucking thing out. And if they don't like it, they could go eat rat shit. I make records for me. <laughs> when asked in the, in the same interview um, about Berlin, he scoffed and said, my bullshit is, is other people's diamonds. But at least that album has some saving graces, which it, it did. Now, Lou Reed's career would have been over. Done. Everyone was absolutely done. However, there was a 
magazine called Punk Magazine. And their number one issue featured Lou Reed. Holstrom, who created um, the Punk Magazine, is quoted as saying, I saw metal machine music as the beginning of the punk rock movement. It was the ultimate punk rock album. It was the greatest punk statement ever made. It was a fuck you to the recording company and everyone who bought it. It was, this is what I want to do the way I want to do it. How can you get more punk than that? It was more punk than the Sex Pistols, the Ramones, everything that came out afterwards. I think he meant it that way, and we treated it that way. And this got him the, no- the, the nomenclature of the godfather of punk. And that's when he released Take No Prisoners as a companion to Metal Machine Music, which was another live album. And that magazine got him back into it. And this was so influential that other artists did things very similar. David Bowie put out Tin Machine, which was an album that he wanted to do because he was also upset in the situation he was in. You know, it kind of just everything kind of grew for Lou Reed after this album because of his underground appeal again. Like this totally brought in his underground appeal. We can get into other albums that he did afterwards. Like they, they consider Lulu a sequel to Metal Machine Music. I but, actually like Lulu a lot. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, Reed's widow, Lori Anderson, said that it would about Lulu is really um, this was really challenging and I have a hard time with it. There are many struggles and so much radiance. And after Lou's death, David Bowie made a big point of me saying, listen, this is Lou's greatest work. This is going to be his masterpiece. Just wait. It will be like Berlin. It will take everyone a while to catch up. And Lulu was hated. And now, as you're saying, people are going back and going, wait, this is actually really good. So there's a positive take on that. Well, let's talk about a negative. And this comes to us from ultimateclassicrock.com. They hated this. Time hasn't healed, salvaged, redeemed, or vindicated the album in decades since its release. It's a, it's just as embraceive, confrontational, controversial, and dis- difficult, difficult to listen to as it is now as it was then. But they do say that it does show semblance to modern-day industrial electronica and avant-garde you're absolutely right that i don't think industrial music like this is this really is for an album that is just sounds really and it's not that bad like we said there's melody in there but this was the birth of a lot of different um, genres because not that people are going to emulate exactly what lou reed did here no, no, they borrowed elements. And you can hear that. Like, if you listen to, like, Downward Spiral by night. Yes. You listen to, like, a lot of, like, the sounds in this. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is, like, another layer over the actual music, you know, of, like, Reznor was doing. So, yeah, I, this 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 album, it, it, it's not bad. Uh, it's perfectly fine for an ambient-type album. Uh, I think it's inspired a lot. Um, I have my issues with Lou Reed. In general, uh, yes. I mean, he is. He, if, if the Mount Rushmore of fucking assholes in rock and roll, he's up there. He's on that mountain with Roger Waters, John Fogarty, <laughs> um, just Axl Rose, like just just giant egomaniacs. 
that I just like, I enjoy their music, but like the more I learn about them and the older I get, the less I just don't give a shit about them. And I guess, and Lou Reed is, again, he has so much music I like. I like a lot a lot of parts in this album too, but it's just, you know, I think it's, it's, it's getting more hard to, especially if you really read into Lou Reed and his history, it's hard to divorce the artist from the art. A lot of the times. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but this was this, you know, I did enjoy parts of this. Like, you know, uh, again, it, it reminded me a lot of the ghosts album, a lot of like what Radiohead was doing in the early two thousands. You know the DNA. He he's he put that out there, and I it's it's great. Will I listen to that this again? Well, we'll discuss that as we go. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yes. You know that's this really was like the big f you, and it was just him wanting to get away from really what what bothered him wasn't necessarily the fame of it, right? It was. What the record company was, was RCA was making him do again, dyeing his hair blonde, becoming this SM leather boy. <laughs> Which was, he, I mean, he has been in his life. <laughs> he, you know, let's, let's not beat around the bush. Like, it, that wasn't too far from a lot of his truths, but, uh, but the label selling it like that, you know, this, this could be considered probably the genesis of the fuck you albums. Mm hmm. <laughs> Which I think Neil Young, especially, like saw yes. something like this and just ran with it with the Geffen years. <laughs> he was on David Geffen's label. Yes. Now I can't remember which came first. Was was um, was Lou Reed was uh, Lou Reed's um, or um, Neil Young? I can't remember which. The fuck you! Oh, this was before Neil Young started doing the. Neil okay. Young started doing that in the eighties. Okay. The fuck you albums. Uh, this was, this is, you know, this is, you know, this was, uh, it was ahead of its time in a lot of, a lot of ways, <laughs> a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess at the time, the only thing I could compare it to would be like some of the weird, uh, ambient music that Lennon was doing with Yoko in the late sixties, but that was more sample heavy, I think compared to this. Yes. Sample and loops, but it's kind of like you know, spiritually in the same vein. I completely agree with that. I, I I can't remember another band in that time that did a fuck you, right? Like no, before this. This is the first fuck you album. I mean, there's been some shenanigans with music before this. But a fuck you songs before this. Yes. <laughs> Never a full on album to fucking and if we're wrong, people let us know. I'm sure. I'm sure there have been fuck you albums before this, but yeah. <laughs> this one just this one's like notable as <laughs> you know, really popularized the fuck you albums. Which again, it it works like that, but there are very interesting elements on this. It's not like a throwaway album, at least not no. in my view. Mm -mm. Maybe Lou's view, but you know, who knows. And the interesting thing is, is that when you look at this, Coney Island Baby came out next. Um, and, it's pretty poppy sounding. And that was on, like, that, that was the last album he put out on RCA, mind you. Um, this, and then he went to uh, Arista, um, and, you know, he went to Arista for Rock and Roll Heart. Um, RCA did put out a Best of Lou Reed album, 
but yeah, he basically put up most of his stuff on Arista going forward. Um, but but yeah, I mean, RCA was done after that. There was still one more album contractually, and I love Coney Island Baby, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's way it's like the polar opposite of Metal Machine. Music. It is. That's, it, it, that's it, what it, I like about Lou Reed. He's like an artist, artist. As much as I find that a lot of times so pretentious, it makes me want to vomit. I, I got to give kudos to that though, because he just he did what he wanted. He did it his way. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. fucking hats off to him. <laughs> well, now let's talk about this because this is where I get. I have a hard time separating Lou, Lou Reed the, the musician from Lou Reed the person. Yeah, it's it, it's hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's hard because Lou Reed in real life, for a lot of his life, was not a great person. Now, in his older age, and once he got married to Laurie Anderson, he really turned his life his life around. Yeah, he got really into like meditation and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Just kind of he he still had the edges, but they were softened a bit toward the end. Yes. Just, you know, looking at this and love, I, I love the idea behind it was that he was just so burnt out and so angry with, with the label and with the fans that he was gaining and seeing at the audiences that he was like, I'm going to put up the ultimate fuck you. I mean, and truthfully, I go back to that, to that punk magazine, that number one, and it is probably the most punk thing anyone could have done. I mean, there was a lot of punk bands that could have done something like this at the time out of their angst and anger. But as we talked about before, the Sex Pistols were just a boy band. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, really... have to remember, in 75, punk is still in its infancy for yep. the most part. And so they didn't have the agency like Lou Reed did to put out something like this, unless they're going to do it independently, which kind of goes against the purpose of saying, fuck you to a label. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, this bothered RCA so much yeah, this is just, I mean, um, I, in my mind, the mythos of it has gotten out of control because in this thing, like uh, in this one thing where it talks about, you know, uh, the worst album ever made, uh, they say, you know, even five minutes, uh, you know, only the strong-willed listeners are capable of making it through even five minutes without a skull-crushing migraine creeping up. And that comes from, again, ultimateclassicrock.com. Once you've heard one minute, you've pretty much heard it all there's that i mean well it's weird. it's another another weird thing to me is uh even at this time frank zappa had put out much weirder stranger they weren't fuck you albums because you know he didn't i think that was like one of the weird things with zappa is like he was so weird from the start that he could do whatever the fuck he wanted where lou reed kind of got trapped in that you know uh, walk on the wild side like this image of him yes Absolutely. Oh, God, I want to do a Zappa album at some point, but we'll talk briefly about Zappa. Zappa, I mean, you go on YouTube, uh, listeners, and and you try to look at some of the interviews he had. They didn't know how to handle him. He had this niche group that he was able to make money on, right? He was able to make money from. He They, they, they left that alone. What they wanted from Lou was... More of the same. They wanted that glam rock thing. R- RCA was really making a killing off of glam rock. Yeah, they and wanted him as pretty much a darker Bowie. Yep. Yep. And Lou, and you got to remember, this is a guy who was, again, running around the Velvet Underground and Andy Warhol. He looked at things as art. And if he wanted to make it as art, 
art came first for Lou. His want to do it came first, right? Yep. And when he quit wanting to do it and he saw these things to go to the record company, this is what you get. And it's surprising to me that when you really look at the way record companies were handling bands back in the day and like just the really horrible treatment of some of these people, that you didn't have something like this happen sooner. Oh, absolutely. And I think people also have to remember, like, I think because it's been so long and Velvet Underground's been so, they're, they're way more popular, you know, 40 years later, 50 years later than they were at the time. Like, Lou Reed built his solo career without, not a lot of people outside, you know, record dorks and like New York really knew who the Velvet Underground was. Like, their influence was more, you know, it was bigger on like other bands until like god it was hard to you know in the 80s 70s 80s and until like the early 90s it was not easy finding velvet underground records except right. for like bootleg right right absolutely so like so he's kind of builds this stuff up on his own so he's not it's not lou reed of the velvet underground when he's coming out with this album it's lou reed of transistor you know lou reed yes. of walk on the wild side well and and yeah, and God, you make such great points. <laughs> I love it. And I can't really talk Lou with people like this. Uh, most people like this. I am a big Lou Reed fan. Um, I, I, but it's no surprise because as we're talking about Zappa, I'm also a huge Zappa fan. And there is this element of Lou that is his own beat. I mean, again, to go from the way that his albums go and how they're just completely different. People talk about what a chameleon Bowie was. And Bowie definitely was a chameleon. But Lou was even more so in my mind. I, I don't think there's anything Lou couldn't do. No. No, and I think people also remember, like, Lou Reed was also a monster of a guitar player, too. Like, I think that also gets buried. Like, he, yeah, he was just, yeah. Bowie, yeah. Well, Bowie was more successful. That was just kind of it. But, like, if you look at, like, the stuff that they were doing, had such a huge impact. And especially, you know, <clears throat> with Bowie, you know, he gave, pretty much gave us the Stooges, gave us Iggy Pop. And, like, mm -hmm. so, like, between him and Lou Reed, like, you know, I'm not saying they were the genesis of punk rock because I think there was that mentality and way before those guys came along. Uh, garage bands in the 60s yeah, shit like that but like they really put it on the map yes yes um i i completely agree with you that there was this that was a special time right i mean the only time this could get in away with too can you imagine a lou reed no these days like the closest i you know and, you know a lot of people think it's like a dumb comparison but a guy who just does whatever he wants and it's also a guy that Lou Reed, before he died, says so one of his favorite artists is Kanye West. You couldn't. I can't imagine. I'm trying to think of a of a of an artist now that is a Lou Reed. Yeah. And I can't think of one. No. Can you? The closest, like I said, would be the the Kanye West, uh, and that guy's just gone off the fucking rails. But he's done like such weird albums that I actually. Like Yeezy, if you listen to that, like holy shit, that's fucking a weird record for a multi platinum. So, I in like I, that was like one of Lou Reed's favorite albums before he died, which 
you know, it makes sense to me. Like, there's like a common thread, but this the music industry now is so streamlined. Like the '60s and '70s and '80s, and even into the '90s, it was like the Wild West. Like, you know, it wasn't exactly super difficult for people to get record labels, get a record contract. I mean, the contracts were shit. Uh, if you look at a lot of your favorite artists, they got screwed over <laughs> in those days. But yeah, it's a Lou Reed really, I could not see existing in today's music industry. No, no. I, I, again, I'm trying to think of, because also the thing is, is that there's an outlet now for these, you know, you could go independent, you know. You don't have to be with a label anymore. Um, I mean, Radiohead's putting out the, pretty much their own music through their site. There's ways of, of, of doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You didn't have that back then. And I also think the perfect storm for this, too, was the record companies, although they were treating people horrible, they allowed for more creativity in a way, you know? Um well, they weren't micromanaging. I think Zappa has a great co- uh, quote about like how it was like back then. It was just cigar chomping guys who were just like, yeah, whatever. We make money on it. We make money on it. Now it's just like it's PR flax. And if you go even a slightly little dangerous, it just you know the album just might not be released. Yes, um, and 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 that's part of it is that it may not get released. You may have to go totally independent, right? In the seventies, people forget music was everywhere right it was you had the glam you had the disco was coming in you still had that 60 70 sounds rock was coming in you're starting to see uh, new punk you're starting to see the emergence of uh heavy you know heavier metal heavy, soft rock um you know yacht you, rock you, what's that <laughs> yacht rock yeah yacht rock i mean this is what was occurring and yeah. you don't have no. that anymore yeah it's so streamlined uh it's rare if you hear things that new artists, they all blend together. And, you know, I don't know if that's just me cynical of my old age. Like my dad, or my parents are like, yeah, that crap all sounds the same to me. But it, is, it honestly feels like that these days. Like everything has the auto tune. It's the same beat a lot of the times. It's, but that sells and they figure out how to make that sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. But yeah, you can't have anything like this. I think you know artists get now just cut. They just get cut out. I mean, I'm, I still can imagine even in the '90s, like a man. I mean, Nirvana put out something close to this with uh, In Utero, in a way, is kind of like a, a thing. But to I mean, again, RCA kept the contract and put out Coney Island Baby before yeah. putting him on another label. You know, before he left. Um, that would never happen to take chances though. You know, like, yep, that was the mentality back then. If this one doesn't sell well, then maybe the next one will. No, uh, unless you're, you know, going solo or you're not solo, but you're independent. And like, there was a lot of music I was listening to in the early two thousands, which is, was a lot like, kind of like this album. A lot of it was like, uh, pasting sounds like random sound samples and all that. Uh, it was really interesting, but again, I was like, you know, that's the DNA here of metal machine music. <laughs> I think it 
you know, you know, it inspired people, inspired the right people, I think, and it turned off the right people. Yes, uh, that was needed. I, I agree with Lou on that. That's, <laughs> you know, there's a place for this album. It's just not for everybody. Yes, yes, and that I think is the key. And I think, again, circling back to what we talked about in the beginning. This is not as grating or as awful as they would the 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 myth would have you believe. Yeah, the myth is bigger than the than the actual product. Uh, I think more people are afraid to listen to it because of the myth. Mm-hmm. That was definitely my thing. Was like, oh god, if it's just as bad as what I think, well, what's the point? You know, it, and then I listened to it. and I was like, oh, this isn't. You know, it's not bad. It, it's not great to me. I mean, again, there's a lot of. Lou Reed stuff that I, I prefer, but you know, I, would I listen to it again? Maybe, you know, I like to listen to a lot of ambient music when I'm working, so I'd probably throw it on, but it's just like, not my go-to. It wouldn't be my go-to. I got a list of other ambient weird fucking music. And that's the thing is like, it, it spawned like even weirder music, which I deeply appreciate because a lot of the, the bands I was like listening to, like they were doing the soundscape shit like with found audio or whatever it wouldn't exist really it might but like not it wouldn't be the same and i think no who would made it like this album kind of is like showed you can do this you can mm-hmm. yes yes it showed that you absolutely can do this and again more artists did it uh neil young famously um yeah. you know they're you know in a way Kid A and Amnesiac was similar to what this was. Yeah, that's I, I heard the, that DNA right away, mm-hmm. especially with Amnesiac. I think really, really, I mean, was it's if it wasn't inspired, I think it was accidentally inspired. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know en- uh, enough about the making of that album, but I could, I would not be surprised if they said uh, Metal Machine music was one of their inspirations for that. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. And uh, but I also mean just to term. I mean, I think it was because it, I mean the story with what Tom York went through with uh the whole touring and everything. Okay, computer. Um. He just want. He was so burnt out. And the song I'm um I'm not or uh, disappear. I think it is. Oh man, which track is it? Was actually basically a conversation between him and. REM's front man, Michael Stipe, which was, he was telling him, tell yourself you're not here. This isn't happening to get yourself through it. Yeah. We've gone through a lot of it. Joe, anything else you want to say? No, no, again, this is an interesting album. Uh, I will, you know, again, I don't know how often I'd listen to it again. Of all like the post uh, Velvet Underground uh, solo works, it, my favorite is is a weird track by John Cale, who is like, uh, as I'm reading up on this on Wikipedia, uh, John one of John Cale's artistic works in like the six mid sixties was also an inspiration on that. Cale worked with Lou Reed at, with Velvet Underground, two famously really didn't get along, but yet they recorded an album like what 1989 together. <laughs> I just want to say just because like it's such a weird track is Paris 1919. <laughs> I love that track. It's so fucking bizarre. <laughs> yes, it, that is 
that is an absolutely bizarre track. And it's so catchy. But yeah, so like, it, you know, Metal Machine music isn't in my top 10 post Velvet Underground things. Uh, Paris 1919, uh, Lulu would probably be my top two. Mm-hmm. But uh, Rock and Roll Animal I love, even though it was hell for Lulu to put it out. But oh, like, God. I don't fucking care. It's such a good album. It, it's, it's a great, it really is. It's a great album. You know, it, it's a great, great album. But yeah, he was so messed up on heroin and booze and everything um, doing that. I mean, well, I mean we, you could d- describe his entire existence from 71 to like early 80s as <laughs> fucked up. And if you think about it, you know, I mean, it's not a long, uh, you know, uh, the Lou Reed Live is, uh, uh, is that album is not very long, right? Um, now, Rock and Roll Animal, though, is awesome. Um, you know, you had, I mean, when it came out, though, it was really only f- five tracks. Yeah. Keep that in mind. It was, on, a, on its initial release, it was only the intro to Sweet Jane, Heroin, White Light, White Heat, Lady Day, and Rock and Roll. The remaster. Super long. <laughs> right. Well. Rock and roll was 10 minutes and heroin's 13 minutes. So you still got about a 35 minute album out of it. But the remaster um, added Caroline Says, um, How Do You Think It Feels, added some more stuff off of Berlin that RCA did not want on it. Um, so, yeah, when you think about that, they took some stuff off it at the time that they were like, This isn't going to add to the album and this is going to alienate people, these songs. Like that, because they didn't like Berlin. God forbid he alienated people. <laughs> songs like heroin on an album. And fucking... Oh dear God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's an interesting album. Uh, again, the DNA here inspired a lot of music I really enjoyed over the years. You know, a lot of the bands I think were inspired by this. I can't confirm if they were, but. I'm 99% sure. Oh, I think you, I mean, again, for the first time listening to it, you heard it, right? Like I heard Nine Inch Nails in there. I heard Industrial. I heard the Kid A. Um, I even hear that, like like you thought was synth in there. And that's just really that guitar and that sound. I think absolutely. I, I, I think every one of the things that you think did it, did it. Because again, much like we talked about with some of our other albums, where they're music for 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 musicians, um, I think musicians know the legend of this and and sought this out. Yeah. Or do you, or do you disagree? No, I think yeah, I think you're one hundred percent on that. So with that, would you recommend it? Absolutely, it's an interesting album. Uh, I think again, the legend of it is more imposing and than it actually is. It's it has moments where I really enjoy it. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to listen to, but like, you know, it's coming from an artist and a lot of times art is not always comfortable. So yeah, I would say I would, I would recommend it. Uh, it's, it's not your typical Lou Reed, uh, but I think going, if, if you're listening to metal machine music, uh, I don't think it, you're going in it completely blind. <laughs> and if you are, uh, that will be one hell of a fucking weird experience. <laughs> Yeah, and that's where I'm going to say with this as well, is that do I recommend it? There's a giant asterisk on my recommendation for this. 
Yes, I do. I wanted you to understand that you may not, as, as a listener, you may not hear the things that Joe and I hear. You may not hear that melody. You may only hear the noise. I mean, to, again, ultimateclassicrock.com cannot hear anything but a migraine-inducing noise to it, which is really unusual to me because I think in today's electronica and of that nature, it's there. That Now, yeah. that article is Dub bass or whatever. Like, I find that probably way more grating than dubstep or whatever that fucking... Yeah, there that is Skrillex guy is. <laughs> and Skrillex does have some things I like, but there is yeah. there is some definite to that too. If you to the like DNA dubstep, of this is in that too, you know? <laughs> Yeah, if you like dubstep, you're gonna probably find stuff in this and be like, wow, this is you may even find it somewhat boring, honestly, based upon the legend. You might be like, wow, this is all it is. Because yeah, that's kind of where I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, it's been a long time since I've heard this album. I think I heard this album 18, 20 years ago um, when I used to hang out with these neo beatniks and people that are really into the Velvet Underground and that whole scene, Andy Warhol and that type of thing, and Lou Reed, a kind of a modern glam, as it were. It's not as outrageous as people think it is. It's definitely way tamer. Not only outrageous, but it's not as interesting either, I would say. Yeah, it's not as interesting as as the as the as the story would have you think it is. I mean, when you hear about it, I think of like him just jamming and this feedback and this horrible noise, and you don't really get a lot of that. It's not all that overly rat loud. And again, you can pick out some really cool melodies in there. And I think that just happened because as a musician, you're gonna like when you're messing with that stuff. Even if you're trying not to do it, you're going to find yourself doing it at some point because it's just ingrained in you and as, as a musician. It's hard to write things with no melody. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is. And you, you pick them up. It's buried in the mix a lot of the times, but it's there. You know, I heard it. So I like it because I also really love the story around it. I think that also adds to it. Like knowing that this was an alt, like the original fuck you to a record <laughs> label really adds to like wow like and again picturing lou reed demanding to go to the president of rca records and hand it to him personally um, <laughs> it's just amazing yeah i mean what <laughs> that's i mean that's that's some balls that's you know it's not kiss doing music from the elder <laughs> no no it's not kiss doing music which, from the elder which i'm glad you piggybacked off that because you know he wrote some <laughs> lyrics on that piece of shit album oh yeah no he did he did so yeah i would i would recommend this with a um with a caveat um so that is i'm assuming metal machine music i always want to call it machine metal music but it's metal machine music you gave me kiss i gave you metal machine music joe your pick next week where are you going from here from there uh we're gonna go to the 70s again okay uh we're going to a band from Detroit, Michigan. We're relatively unknown until around 2009 when their demos for an album were finally released by an indie label. The band is called Death. The album's called For the Whole World to See. It's it's interesting. There's an interesting story behind this. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just, just check my music source here one second. 
All right, I got seven tracks. Does that sound about right? Yep, yep seven tracks. Perfect. Seven tracks of proto-punk music. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, documentary came out on them before that uh, album came out, which kind of like it not, like explains it a lot more. But yeah, the, this is an interesting album in that uh, it was released in 2009. Uh, it was supposed to come out in 75. And it's an interesting story of how it got to that, because when you listen to it, you're like, this album should have been. released." <laughs> There's no reason why this album should not have been released. Um, I'm really interested to hear this because um, uh, I, I, I think I've, I, I've heard something about it, but I know absolutely nothing about them, about the album. So I'm going to do the same thing you did. I'm going to go in completely blind. I'm not going to look up anything other than hearing the album. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that because I, I like that idea. I, I love doing that where um, I, I, I have to admit it's not often I get challenged on music I've never heard before. And in doing this podcast with you, it's invigorated something that I love doing in my teens and my 20s um, when I really had the time, which was digging in and just looking at albums or looking at things and being like, I wonder what that is and hearing it for the first time and being able to get into it. So I'm looking forward to this. Um, Plugs, Joe, what do you got going on? Uh, (laughs) Next week, uh, I'm making... Brown, go home and get his fucking shine box because we're doing good fellas. <laughs> oh yes, that's right, the shine box. Yeah, good fellas. I'm looking oh. forward to that. <laughs> uh, so that's what we have going on for the Joe Down. Uh, it's just been kind of hectic, so it's been uh, our reviews have been pushed a week. So, and you know what? Uh, honestly, by the time people hear this, it's going to be off. <laughs> 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 that will be out for a while. Um, but it's still good to know where we were. Like, go back and check out some of the older um, articles in the Joe Down. Go deep into it and check some of the other libraries. Joe, how long have you had the Joe Down website up? Since 2016. So almost five years now that we've been doing this. So uh, the actual Joe Down website, probably like three years now. It, it's kind of started on our work company's website, and uh, we just kind of decide to go on our, on our own so yeah <laughs> yep so what's going on with you paul what what uh, do you got coming up well as of right now this recording i just finished editing the uh, the the legit first episode of season two for cast that movie lots of changes in there so that's all i got buddy um other than that do you want to take us out in in the spirit of lou reed no 